This begins godly parenting. This is our first lesson that we're calling God's original intent for children. One of the things I want to do with this lesson is really, really stretch our thinking. As I have written these lessons or writing them, because I'm currently writing them, and as I'm studying the scriptures, the thing that really strikes me, and even though I'm a young parent, you know, Lydia is only two, Abigail will be here in a month, so I'm not so indoctrinated in American parenting that I, as I'm studying this and as I pastor, I realize how much our parenting has been Americanized and how much of what we do with our children, why we even have children becomes very selfish and Americanized. So the thing I want to do with this lesson is number one, stretch you and maybe even cause you to disagree with me. But let's look at what the scriptures have to say. Let's see what God's original intent is for children. There's other things that come with it that we have overemphasized and we have neglected the weightier matters. We've overemphasized our part in our joy and our selfishness, and we have neglected what God intended when he made family. So with this lesson, I want to stretch you, and I want to maybe, maybe insult you a little bit, not on purpose, but let the word do it, and let you come back around and realize, you know, we missed that, or we should adjust that, or where do we let this creep in at? The thing that I always point out to us about being Americans is that our culture teaches us to dream any dream and then command God to bless it. Our culture teaches us that we can be anything we want to. Wrong. You don't get to be anything you want to. You have a right to say, not my will, your will be done. I was discussing this with my wife, and I said, honey, as I write this, I realize how far off even the American church is with parenting. I said, I was taught growing up as a small child in the 70s and then into the 80s, I could be anything I wanted to be. And so everything we did as a family was for my education so I could get a good job, so I could be anything I wanted to be. Where's the will of God in that? Where's the plan of God for my life in that? Where's the destiny of God? We fall into a mold that our culture constructs for us without any regard for the scriptures. You know, the American pattern is you raise your child up, they get good grades through high school so they can get a good scholarship or go to a good school. If you're, if you're not sharp enough in high school, you might have to go to a, a community college to get enough credits to make up some courses so then you can then transfer to a good four-year degree so you can get a degree so you can have a good job and chase the American dream. What if God doesn't call your kid to go to college? Well, that, that can't be because, because culture will look down on him if he's not college-educated. When I grew up in the 80s, it was doctor, being a doctor, being a lawyer, being a doctor, being a lawyer, because that's where all the money was, because the 80s was the yuppie revival, the young urban professional making all the money. That's when BMW took off, because that's what people of the culture wanted in the 80s, young urban professionals. BMW and Mercedes exploded. Until then, they were just German cars that had their heyday in World War II. And so if we're not careful, we will let culture teach us what good parenting looks like when we don't care about culture. We want the kingdom's culture. We want what the scriptures have to say. So this is why we're going to start from scratch here. Now, this is not to diminish if you have children or grandchildren that are grown. This is not to put you down. But the gospel is always raising the standard. 
The gospel is always raising the standard. And so we should be going further every generation. We'll see that from this lesson. The gospel raises a standard and raises a standard. And so God had mercy on me. I was trained to get a job to make good money. In fact, there was a lot of pressure put on me. Why would you get a degree in geology? You're not going to make any money doing that. You should be an engineer or business. You can make a lot of money. And I, I finally said as a sophomore in college, why do I care about money? I ought to care what God wants for me. And it seems like the peace of God is on this rock thing. So I, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just pursue the peace of God. And it upset folks. The, even the fact that my parents had saved and saved and saved. My mom told me when I was 17, she said, honey, your father has enough money saved. You can go to any college in the world. Of course, then they, they limited. They had to be east of the Rockies or east of the Mississippi because they didn't want me to be far away. So I didn't know if that meant Europe as well. I think it did not mean that. So I ended up at a school as economical as Tennessee Tech when I could have gone financially to any school. It's all money-driven because that was them raising us through the 80s. I turned out okay, but my parents didn't know better. What we're gonna do in the next several weeks is teach us better so that our kids can go further than we ever did. That's the job of every generation under godly parenting is that they go, the next generation goes further for Jesus Christ than the previous generation. So you cannot raise your kids exactly how you were raised. You've got to raise them better. And then pray that they do a better job with your grandkids. Amen. All right, there's lots to say, but let's jump in here. God's original intent for children. Children come from God, period. They are his heritage. He breathes into every man the breath of life. And he is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. God has a plan for every child before they are ever born, for he knows them before they were conceived. We are to raise our children up for God and then commend them back to him. We need to view our children as on loan from God Almighty. They are his children, a reward from him, as Psalm says. In essence, having children is ultimately not about us. And that's where we start striking this American thing. It's not about you. Now, God puts that desire in you. And as we like to point out, everybody in the Bible that wanted a baby got one. That is an awesome 100% fact, 100% re receiving of the promises of God. Everybody in the Bible, whoever wanted a baby, they got one. Now, not to put you ladies down, but they never prayed for girl babies. All the barren women in the Bible, they seem to want men child. And that's what they got. And let you know you can pray and receive what you want from God. You just have to pray and seek God till you get it. In essence, having children is ultimately not about us, but about God. For all things are created by him and all things are created for him. That right there is where we need to stop and really think about our children. They, children are not just about us. Now, we'll cover all the fun aspects of parenting and the painful aspects, but from the very beginning here, we need to look about this. This is not about how many children will make you happy. This is all about what does God want to do with your children? We know that God breathes into human beings the breath of life. And so when you conceive a child, even out of wedlock, even in sin, even in cases of rape, God honors how he designed creation to work and he breathes into that infant that fetus, as medical science calls it, the breath of life and makes it a living spirit. And he has a plan for that child, even if it was out of wedlock, even an instance of rape. He has a plan because that essence of life came from God himself. 
So he put part of himself in there. We know that from Genesis, he breathed into man the breath of life. He breathed into him the blast in the nostrils and he became alive. And so God honors this thing called conception and procreation. And he breathes into these babies a breath of life. And that's why he could tell Jeremiah, before I conceived you, I knew you. Because in essence, he breathed into that infant, that spirit, that breath. And so for that reason, having babies is not just about having a little football team in your home, having a little ballet troupe in your home or whatever your thing is as an American, or or maybe from a different culture, having enough kids to plow the field or having enough folks so that your culture thinks you're blessed. Five more babies and we'll really receive, we'll, we'll reach that hierarchy. Those are selfish reasons to have children. Now we still haven't defined God's original intent, but we'll get there. We have to be careful we don't make children about us. A lot of Americans do this. And there's nothing wrong with saying this is my pride and joy. Even the Lord says in Hebrews that he corrects us even as a father and the son in whom he delights. We understand that whole delighting in in a child, delighting in a daughter and delighting in a son. But ultimately this thing has to be all about God Almighty. He gave us the baby. He gave us the son, the daughter. He breathed into that spirit, that child, the spirit of life. We have to realize this is about what God himself wants. And so I would encourage us, stop telling your kids they can be whatever they want to be. You're teaching them to be selfish. What we tell the Lord, Father, we thank you for our daughter. She'll be anything you want her to be. We will train her to obey you and go go wherever you want her to go. We commend her to you right now. If that means missionary, if that means whatever. Now, try, and then on the other hand, we do pray every night. We pray for her husband. We pray for Abigail's husband. And we declare that we disciple their husbands and we disciple our daughters. And then we claim they serve us in the ministry. So we kind of we get a word in edgewise that they're gonna serve us all their life. Why not? That's the example set before me through my pastors that their children serve them in the ministry and it works beautifully. I gotta believe that's the will of God that your kids always serve with you in the ministry. And then when you pass away, you give them something to do for God. You pioneer something for them. That's, that's what I see in the scriptures. Well, we got to stop making this about us and toddlers and tiaras and pageantry. And my, my little boy, he's going to play for the college football team just like I did. Says who? You? Don't you remember all the sin you got into in college on the football team? You want your kid to run through that again? You have to be careful that you don't inject your dreams into your children, because they're not ultimately your children, they're God's. Now they're yours. But what we're saying here this morning is we want to so adjust your, your, your perspective. We want to get it back on the word. We don't realize how American we really are. Disney has taught us for 70 years to wish upon a star and all your dreams will come true. So we believe in voodoo magic over the scriptures. And we indoctrinate our children in that. Jiminy Cricket, Tinkerbell, and all the fairy dust. And they end up going nowhere for Jesus Christ. We will look at the many elements of life and learning involved with parenting in the lessons to come. But in this lesson, we want to look at the overall big picture of God's original intent for children. There is certainly a huge element of joy, sorrow, trials, errors, growth, rejoicing, pride, embarrassment, and elation that belongs to parents. But we must not forget that parenting begins with God and it is intended to end with his glory. We have to focus on that. Any study of the family must begin in the book of Genesis. 
That's a good place to start. Not psychology, not Dr. Benjamin Spock, not even Dr. any one of the Christian psychologists or child psychologists. Don't begin there. Begin with the Bible. The Bible is our book of life. The Bible is what we live by. The Bible is what got us born again. The Bible is what going, we're going to die by and go to heaven with. Jesus Christ is the word, and that's why we need to focus on the Bible. Furthermore, I am somewhat becoming a novice expert on the origins of psychology, and it is not pretty. Even the Christian psychologists are influenced by the fathers of psychology, which include Freud, Jung, Rogers, etc. And every one of those men, there's a common thread I'm discovering as I research those men, two common threads with all the fathers of psychology, the occult and sexual perversion. Every one of the big major names of psychology dabbled or were obsessed with the occult and all of its various forms. One other third trait, or they were sexual deviants. Kinsey is another one. And they also attacked the church. They were adamantly opposed to Christian morality. And they propagated their theories to undermine morality and the righteousness of the, the American nation. And they all said so themselves. So even good Christian psychologists, and I've read after a lot of them, they are still influenced by those theories and those teachings and those principles. That's why I put very little stock in psychology. In fact, my wife just sent me a link today or this week that said that spanking, it was just a, the American Pediatric Association, which is supposed to be this trustworthy name, that says spanking has the following effects on children. There's a 60% chance that they'll be speech uh, underdeveloped. It's called crying. It's only momentary. It passes away. Then they say, I'm sorry. But I, I honestly, all this new psychology and research that diminishes the word, I ask, what about the greatest generation in American history, the World War II generation? They were spanked. They all spoke pretty good. They were spanked. They went on to become the greatest generation. They're not calling our generation the greatest generation. They're calling us the most selfish, most medicated generation. So somebody's got to get their facts straight. Somebody, why aren't these, all these sciences lining up their facts? The greatest generation was spanked. They were disciplined. They were drugged to church. And they went on to sacrifice their life for the world. And to this day, we still stand at attention for the greatest generation. And now they're telling us spanking will, will mean your kid might not develop. They might not like you. They'll be belligerent. They'll, they'll have speech development issues and developmental issues. It hasn't been the case for 6,000 years. It's only this generation that hasn't been spanked, this generation that hasn't been parented, this generation that hasn't been discipled, that they're medicated, doped up, going to hell, raping each other, shooting each other, killing each other, and cursing their parents and mocking their parents. Somebody, some, something went wrong and it wasn't the Bible. As long as we stuck with the Bible, we had a great generation of people. Amen. All right, I don't have time to stay on that. The book of Genesis grants us insight into God's purpose and vision for the institution of family, including children. Our first verse, Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Right there we see why God made man and what God's first commandment was. 
He said, male and female, he made Adam, then he made Eve. Then he commanded them, very first commandment, be fruitful and multiply. Basically, that's the command to have children. Now, you don't have to have children if you don't want to, but we'd ask, why don't you want to? Because it's an awesome thing. It's, it's life. Without having children, you never really produce life. You live, you do some things on the earth, then you die. You have no heritage. You have no legacy. Why would you not want to have children? I don't, except for those that are demonized, nobody ever regrets having kids. Except for those that are moved upon by demons and abort their baby or abandon their baby or give their baby away or just walk away from their kid. Everybody loves having their kid. It's something, kids are like boomerangs. You raise them up, you craft them, you send them out and when you're old, they come back to you and you don't die alone. You die with children and grandchildren around you and make sure your life is rich. God made mankind in his image and he made mankind to be male and female. That's what family is. Mankind is male and female, not male and male, not female and female, not male with the overhaul transmission change up, finding another female who just had a transmission change up. So now we are back to being male and female. And even in female, female, one's the male and one's the female. And even in male and male, one's the male and one's the female. I'm confused already, but God wasn't from the beginning. His first commandment to mankind was be fruitful, branch off, and multiply, become great. Be fruitful, branch off, and become great. Have children. That's the first commandment. Have kids. Have kids. Why? Replenish the earth and subdue it. Here we see that the original intent of children was to accomplish the will of God. It wasn't to have a kid to drag around a ballet. It wasn't to have a kid who could relive your high school experiences. To go further for the varsity cheerleading squad than you could ever make it. Or whatever your thing is. The commandment to have children was because God wanted to accomplish his will in the earth. Have children, he says, and subdue the earth with them. That's the reason we have kids, to keep producing the kingdom of God in the earth, to keep producing righteousness in the earth. This is so far from what happens in American families today. It takes one lazy parent to send their whole progeny, their whole last name to hell. It takes one lazy parent in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to send all their entire offspring to hell. The thing I've heard many times among Christian folks is, well, I'm not going to, one preacher said growing up I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church all the time. That's a good drug problem to have. That's how the great generation, that's how my generation was raised. The problem we have now is we have a whole generation of, of carnal Christians who say, I don't want to force it on my kids. I want them to grow up to make the right choices. That's not even a Christian mindset. That's not, even, that's not even proper biblically. That's a total Christ-denying attitude. I don't want to force Christianity upon my kids. I want them to grow up to choose hell. Even God says choose life. So we have to be careful that we do teach our children right from wrong. You ask any of our little children around here now, where does, where does Jesus live? They'll all tell you, my heart. They may not even need Jesus yet because they haven't died spiritually, but they can tell you the answer. Jesus is in my heart. We teach our children truth. 
I'm not going to let my children decide what color green looks like or what color purple looks like. You teach them right from wrong. This is purple. This is green. Same with God. Why would you let them make up what God is? Truth is truth. So you teach them. God is absolute truth. Jesus Christ is truth. His word is truth. We serve Jesus Christ. He's the only God there is. There is no other God. There's a lot of lies and deception out there, but the sky is blue, the grass is green, the cows are brown, and God is God. There are no choices to be made here. Your kids don't get to choose what water is. I think I'll just let my children decide what cold means and what hot means. No, those are absolute truths. I think I'll just let my children decide to choose what gender they're going to be. No, they are what they are. God made them so. Fearfully, wonderfully made, not neglected, neglected and perverted when they come out. So the second you start to give your kids options or to have some kind of perverse reason in your syncophanted heart as to why you're going to have kids, you're going to mess them up. We have kids because we're Christians, because God wants to reproduce his kingdom through your kids. Very simple. Have children, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Have dominion over everything. We're not teaching kids to have dominion. We're teaching them to to just be dominated by the enemy. Children are given to us for God's will, not merely for our enjoyment. Now, we'll cover enjoyment in future lessons, but this is the lesson we have to start in Genesis. There's no mention of enjoyment in Genesis. There's no mention of enjoyment in in Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, or 4. It's very straightforward. Our enjoyment is part of it, but God gives us children for his purpose. Why? Well, because God is made in man's image. Man has been given authority over the earth. By having children, mankind is supposed to be training up future generations that will walk closer with God and accomplish more for God than the preceding generation did. God wants us to replenish the earth with children after his likeness who will grow up and accomplish his will in the earth. Your job in having children, not just to have fun with them, Take them through sports, take them through ballet if you want to, gymnastics. But your job is to make sure by the time they go from you, they can reproduce God more than you can. They can preach the word better than you can. They know Jesus Christ better than you do because you've discipled them for 18 and 25 years, however long they're in your home. But if they get out of your home and they know God less than you, you did not do your job as a parent. Very quiet on that one. Too many children are leaving their home better sports athletes than mom and dad. So guess what you emphasize for 20 years? Sports. Some of them are graduating from college better ballerinas than mom ever was. But not nearly the Christian. Guess what you overemphasized? Some of our kids are graduating. They'll graduate from high school better game system players. Can quote more cartoons. Guess what you emphasized? That's not the way it's supposed to be. Parenting is a very serious thing. We know that the family is totally under attack. The devil hates our kids. He'll work in through any kind of distraction to water down the fervent gospel message you have in your heart and want to live in your home. You have to be careful with this. To that end, we must ask ourselves, is my parenting fulfilling God's original intent for children? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Am I fulfilling the will of God in my kids' lives? 
Am I doing that? Or is this all about me and living vainglorious through my kids? I never got a chance to do this. I want my kids to. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting your kids to go to college because nobody in your family ever has. Nothing wrong with that. And nothing wrong with them wanting them to have a better job than you ever had. Nothing wrong with that. So we're not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about carnal things. We're talking about idolatrous things, lazy things, heathen things. Not realizing that there's nothing wrong with your kid going to college and being the first one in your family to ever do so and graduate. But is that part of the will of God? Do not put your dreams above the will of God. That's what we're saying here. And you've got to be willing to judge every one of your dreams. I have a little comment here. God gives us children so that he may have a generation that subdues the earth. That's as simple as we can put it. God gives us children so that he may have a generation after us that will finally subdue the earth. Page two, next section. A child's life is more than just soccer and video games. That's the American kid right there. That's not the Bible kid. A child is more than just soccer and video games. Now, you could put ballet, you could put rodeo, you could put outdoorsmen, sportsmen things, you could put television in there. I just picked those two because that defined my childhood. Nintendo Entertainment System and AYSO. We got good at both of them, but we were also drugged to church every service, every service. I was a royal ambassador for Christ. I could probably almost give you the royal ambassador pledge. Nope. It becomes cloudy with the Boy Scout motto, to obey the law of the pack. Sorry, I am a royal ambassador for Christ, and I will obey the law of the pack. Now, that's two childhood things mixed there. I I can't do it. Google could help me, though. When God revealed himself to Israel through the law of Moses, he took the opportunity to remind mankind of his original intent for children. All parenting begins with the, not the school system, not the Sunday school system, not Sesame Street, not television. Parenting begins with the parent. Deuteronomy 4, 9 and 10, only take heed to yourself and keep thy soul diligently. Talking to the parents, you gotta take heed to yourself first. Lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but teach them unto your sons and your sons' sons. So even grandparents have an obligation to teach their grandchildren the things of God. And if you taught your kids proper, your kids would be honored to have grandpa teach their kids the things of God. You know, if your your grandfather's Billy Graham, you want him to teach you the things of God because he's walked with God longer. But you're gearing up to go further than the Reverend Billy Graham. And if you're Billy Graham's son, like Franklin Graham, you don't have a problem if your father sits down and educates your children. But you know we've got a generation now who they don't want mom or dad around because they're so religious and they're forcing their religion on our kids. There was a breakdown and a failure somewhere. You do this right, you'll want your children to be taught by your grandparents, your parents. You do this thing right, you'll be honored to have your children hang out with mom and dad and because you know they'll be discipled. Is that the model in America right now? Something's failed. It takes one generation. It takes one lazy parent to curse their whole last name to hell. I've seen it in my own family. Especially or specifically the day, this is what you're not to forget. Specifically the day that you stood before the Lord thy God in Horeb, that's the mountain of God. When the Lord said unto me, Moses, gather me the people together and I will make them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live, shall live upon the earth and that they may teach 
their children. Notice twice in this passage, he emphasizes you teach your children how to fear God, how to serve God. But if it doesn't start with you, it will totally fail with the kids. This is God taking his opportunity. Here he has his nation, Israel. They've been in a pagan nation for 430 years. They've not known anything about Jehovah Almighty God. And the first thing he says is, listen to me, fear me, and then teach your kids to do the same. He doesn't say take them to the park. That's not the first thing he gets to say about parenting. God gets his people on this mountain. The mountain's on fire. And the first thing he says is, don't spend more time with them. Oh, we need quality family time, so we're skipping Sunday night. The first thing he says is, fear me, and then teach your kids to fear me too. That's the big picture. Because if they don't fear God, they'll go to hell. If they don't fear God, they'll embarrass you. If they don't fear God, they'll be a child of shame. The first thing he says is, you better fear me. Hear me carefully, people. That's what the Lord says. Fear me, and then teach your kids and your grandkids to do the same. God's more interested in big picture stuff. He's interested in the details, but if the details cloud out the big picture, he's not interested in the details. He wants the big picture. On the mountain God, on the mountain of God, just days after Israel's deliverance from Egypt, God wastes no time commanding Israel how they will serve him. God does not deliver people for them to live to themselves. You and I did not get born again to live to ourselves. You and I did not cry out to God to have God's hand in our life so we could live any way we want to. And we certainly have not been saved to live the American dream. We have not been saved from hell and the devil to live like the average American. Nor have we been saved and brought the love of Jesus and the blood of Jesus into our home so our kids could look just like the high schoolers. That's not why God saves anybody. He saves people and calls them to himself that he might accomplish his will through that whole family of last names. If you got born again and you're the first to be born again in your, in your lineage, it should change everything after you. Absolutely. You got to know Abraham got born again in a sense. Now, we know he didn't, but he got saved. He got called out, and that changed his entire lineage. It ought to be the same for you. You ought not be the one that stops the work of God in your last name. Amen. Amen. Come to find out on my mama's side, this is just kind of neat. It doesn't necessarily mean it that it is this way. My brother is not a preacher, but my grandfather was a preacher and my great-grandfather was a preacher. And we even have a picture, I think, of my great-great-grandfather standing in front of his horse and buggy with his massive Bible. And he was an itinerant preacher. So on that side, we had Christians all the way, the Richardson side out of Georgia, preachers all the way back. That's a cool legacy. We're still carrying it on. That doesn't mean Richardson's haven't gone to hell since, but we're still keeping that legacy alive. And unless God has mercy and saves some heathen relatives, if you stop the salvation of God in your family, your whole family could go to hell after you. And as I use it from time to time, because it's a scary example to think we might get to heaven and eternity goes by, we keep waiting for our kids to get there. They should have died by now. Where are they? My grandkids, I, when, I lost, when I, I took my last breath, there was my children and my grandchildren. Where, where, where's little Jimmy? Jimmy, he ought to be about 95. He can't still be alive. And the Lord have to tell you, Jimmy's not coming. You diminished my gospel on the holidays. You diminished my gospel at family reunions and at the dinner table. And so Jimmy grew up thinking God was a fool and a myth. And so because of your shame of me, grandfather, your whole, from this point forward, unless something happens, they won't, none of them be here. 
How, how much will that break your heart in heaven? Perhaps that's why the revelation says Jesus will wipe away every tear. Amen. We're talking about parenting here. It gets real sober when we talk about parenting because you love them, but you've taught, been taught to love them as Ellen DeGeneres would have you love them or as Oprah would have you love them, or as Dr. Benjamin Spock, another weird psychologist would have you love them. We've not been taught to love them according to the Bible, but that's why we do come to church. All right, hopefully we're not beating you up, but we're just putting the word out there. God does not deliver people for them to live to themselves. Amen to that. One of God's first dealings with Israel is concerning their soul and their parenting. God said, keep your heart right before me and teach your children to do the same. That's that verse paraphrased. Even grandparents are commanded to teach their sons, sons. 40 years later, right before a new generation of Israelites was about to possess the promised land, Moses reiterates God's twofold commandment for parenting. Keep your heart right before me and teach your children to do the same. Deuteronomy 6 and 11. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in your heart. And you will diligently, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The Hebrew word there for teach diligently means to sharpen like with a whetstone. So notice the word of God, you're supposed to use them to sharpen your children. Children end up dim and darkened by the world when you don't sharpen them with the word of God. Teach diligently is the only, this, this term is used multiple times in the Old Testament. This is the only verse where it's translated teach diligently. Every other place is used to sharpen like with a whetstone, W-H-E-T, that's a sharpening stone. You're to take your kids, they're the knife, they're the arrow, You're to take the word of God and sharpen them to do something. They are, in a sense, a miniature sword of the spirit. And they're to cut through life with the word of God in them. Too many Christian parents, though, they're just a little too lazy. Not you guys out there. Folks, I don't pastor. Because it takes work to sharpen a knife. Anybody ever sharpen a knife? Anybody ever sharpen a chainsaw? That's even more work. Individual link. Individual link. It takes work and it's just easier just to have a dull piece of metal that you let rust and do its own thing. It takes work to sharpen your children with the word of God. It takes personal time. It takes discipleship time. You have to turn the television off. You may have to cancel a sporting event or four and take time to sharpen them. That is true love. True love saves people from hell. It doesn't give them what they want and let them watch whatever they want. True love teaches children how to honor God Almighty that their life may be long upon the earth. Does love shorten people's lives? No, no. Love lengthens lives. How do we lengthen our child's life? We teach them to fear God Almighty. Awfully quiet this morning. Hopefully these lessons will get better in the next five to nine weeks. Otherwise, it's gonna be a miserable two months. Thou shalt diligent, teach them diligently unto thy child or children and shalt talk of them the words of God when you sit in your home and you'll talk of them when you walk by the way and you'll talk of them when you lie down and you'll talk of them when you rise up. Now, Deuteronomy eleven twenty one repeats Deuteronomy 6, so we'll add this to it. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children. In the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Notice that when the word of God is in your heart 
and you sharpen your children with that word and you talk about the word when you sit at home and you talk about the word when you're on your way about town and you talk about the word with your kids at night and you talk about the word of God with your kids first thing in the morning, it has this promise, long, healthy life. Long, that's the promise, Deuteronomy, long, healthy life. These verses give us six good steps for successfully training our children to fulfill the will of God their entire life. Let's run through them very quickly. We just break down these verses. The commandments, number one, the commandments of God must be in the parent's heart to begin with. If the word of God is not in you, you won't put it in your kids. If deer hunting is in you, you'll put deer hunting in your kids. If soccer's in you, you'll put it in your kids. If ballet's in you, you'll put it in your kids. Very rarely will you put something new in your kids. Very rarely will you say, you know what? We have no idea what the sport of curling is, but I think I'm gonna get my kid involved with curling. There's a gold medal to be won there somewhere. You won't do that. If mama's a, a cheerleader, she'll want her girl to be a cheerleader. If daddy is an outdoorsman, he'll want his boy to be an outdoorsman. That's just how it is. Like produces like. So whatever's in you, you will put in your kids. That's how Ezekiel can say, as it goes with the mother, so it goes with her daughter. So step number one is you gotta have this word, the word of God in your heart. You can't fake it. Not in your head, in your heart. It's not just a psychological, intellectual thing. It's in your heart. I've told you about one of my professors in college, a geology professor. It turns out his dad was a Methodist pastor, a PhD in theology from Vanderbilt Theological. His dad apparently only had an intellectual faith because my professor cursed God. To love God so much or to think you do that you go get a THD, theological divinity thing, but yet your, God, your son grows up to be an evolutionary geologist that mocks God and curses him, you failed somewhere. Amen. Now that may sound judgmental, and it is. But we troubleshoot things around here. You can't troubleshoot without judging. Amen. I don't condemn my professor. I still see him around town, still love the man. I don't condemn his daddy. His daddy's in heaven, probably very upset for how he failed his son. But we're talking about parenting here. We, we have a right to judge the past so we don't repeat it. We can't go burying our heads in the sand. Oh, well, you're being judgmental. How are you gonna raise your kids if we can't be? Amen. Number two, parents are to sharpen as with a whetstone their children with the word of God. That takes work. We could say it this way. Jesus is the rock of our salvation and the water of the Holy Spirit comes together and your kid is the iron and you sharpen him. All the different techniques you use to sharpen knives. If your child is dull or dim, what have you been dragging them upon or dragging them to? What have you done? Every parent must ask themselves that. Number three, parents are to talk about the word of God with their children when they are in the home. Is the word of God talked about in your home? Number three, parents are to talk about the word of God with their children when they go about their day. What, what goes on in your vehicle when you're driving to Walmart or to soccer practice? Do we talk about the things of God? When you drive them to school, do you pray with them? Do you t- teach them how to pray for their teachers? Do you ask them how their day is going? Do you take them to school? Do you pick them up? I will keep, have you keep in mind, parents, it takes a mom and a dad to raise the children, not just mom. Now, if you're a single parent, there's a grace that covers that, but parents shouldn't be single parents if they're married. If parents are single parents and they're married, there's a severe breakdown and there will be issues. 
because it takes both of them parenting. And I would challenge you and charge you to do whatever's necessary to get your life engaged in the parenting of your child. Don't expect daddy just to do it. Don't expect mommy just to do it. Both of you are necessary. Amen. Number five, parents are to talk about the word with their child as they lay them down to sleep. Do you pray with your children at night? Here's the thing I just saw writing this. Number six, parents are to talk about their children, uh, the word with their child first thing in the morning. We pray with them at night, but do we talk about them with the word of God in the morning when we're having breakfast as a family? Oh, we don't have time to have breakfast. Slow something down. The world is slowly sucking our time away from us so we don't have time for our kids anymore because the world wants to raise them. You must learn to put a stop on your world. Remember, we have authority over everything. We can cast out demons. We can heal the sick. We can raise the dead should the Lord anoint us to do so. And yet we can't control our day. Or is it you haven't learned the magical word, no. I'm not coming in this early, boss. I have children to raise. If you have a problem, replace me. Why gain the world and lose your soul? Before you blink, you parents, most of you are older parents than I am. Your kids are grown. They're gone. You only get them for a season. And I am raising the standard on this thing because I'm gonna fulfill the will of God concerning our children. They will go further than we. It may be the Lord doesn't come back before we die. Who are we gonna give the world to? It's gotta be our kids. So you have a right to point your finger at your boss and say, you have worked me 75 hours in three days. You did it for the last nine years. No more. Replace me if you can, but I'm gonna raise my children. My contract says 40 to 45 hours a week. You have been prostituting my soul. I have children to raise. You will fire me at a moment's notice or lay me off and I will have nothing to show for it. So why would I give you my soul and my children for a, a, a idolatrous paycheck? I'm sorry, sir. I control our relationship here. This is a right to work state. And it's also the right to stay at home and raise my kids state. You have to be willing to make the sacrifice for your children. Otherwise, Proverbs does promise us this wretched promise that they may grow up to be a child that causes shame. We're going to bear down very hard on this because we have raised children to be failures and we should not do that anymore. Amen. Number six, parents are to talk about the word with their child first thing in the morning. Number seven, parents are to enjoy a long life and ensure that their children enjoy a long life too. Notice that when the word's in you, you get to live a long time and so do your kids. That's a Bible promise. The Bible says that if you'll walk with God and do the word, you don't have to bury your kids early through drug addiction, through murder, through crime, through whatever. From Deuteronomy 6, we learn that parenting is more than just being a video game buyer and a sport practice chauffeur. That's not parenting. The Ten Commandments, God's concern for children is reflected in the Ten Commandments. Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Once again, long life is tied to a child's training. A child can only honor if they have been taught to honor. Children will honor whatever and whoever they are taught to honor. Part of parenting is instilling in your child what God does and does not want them to honor. 
The length of one's life is dependent upon what they honor. If you honor drugs, short life. If you honor God, long life. If you honor crime, short life. If you honor your parents, long life. If you honor promiscuity in your sex drive, short life. If you honor the holy matrimony in the marriage bed, long life. Your children's life is dependent upon what you teach them to honor. You should say, honey, you don't talk to me that way. You don't talk to adults that way. To this end, I bemoan that we don't teach our children to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Now, some of you do, but in our church, we have a lot of kids that are pretty bratty. Yeah, what? Huh? You know why our kids talk that way? Because it takes too much work to teach them better. I'm working on a scientific equation that says basically you have to invest 3,000 yes sirs before you get one out of your child. It takes work. But it just sounds so much more pleasant, so much more respectful when your child doesn't say, huh? But they say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, please. It's called manners. We Southerners used to excel at it. Used to. All right, since that's hitting some of you, we'll move on. Got to wrap up anyway. The following activities are neutral, but do not add to the kingdom of God. Also note, these are almost all entirely Western activities. Video games, television. These are things that are raising our kids right now. Sports, ballet or dance, gymnastics. Nothing wrong with these, but they add zero to the kingdom. And if you're not careful, they'll train your kids. Your child's life should not be defined by any of these, by the way. Your child's life should be defined by their walk with Jesus Christ. Beauty pageants, drama, that means plays and productions, 4-H, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, outdoors and sportsmen activities. These activities should never consume a child's life. God has given us all things richly to enjoy, but should always take preeminence over all of these. Godly parenting begins with putting God Almighty and his will first in your home. Amen. Father, we thank you for this first lesson. Help us to catch your vision for our children and not the world's vision for our kids. Father, may we resist the enemy and all the distractions that would hurt our children and our testimony and your call on our life. Bless us, Lord, and help us in Jesus' name. Amen.